Welcome to Succession Stories, Insights for Next Generation Entrepreneurs. I'm Lori Barkman. I've spent my career bringing an entrepreneurial approach to mature companies struggling with change. As an outside executive of a third-generation, 120-year-old company, I was part of a long-term succession plan. Now I work with entrepreneurs, privately held companies, and family businesses to develop innovations that create enterprise value and transition plans to achieve their long-term goals. On this podcast, listen in while I talk with entrepreneurs who are driving innovation and culture change. I speak with owners who successfully transition their company and others who experience disappointment along the way. Guests also include experts in multi-generational businesses and entrepreneurship. If you are a next-generation entrepreneur looking for inspiration to grow and thrive, or an owner who can't figure out the best way to transition their closely held company, this podcast is for you. Subscribe to our newsletter for more resources to build value in your business. Visit small.big.com. That's small.big.com and sign up today. Ten years ago, Laura Co. and her sister launched their company, Snapology. She was inspired to create a social and educational outlet for kids to fuel her son's curiosity for learning outside the classroom. Laura shared how they discovered a market niche and eventually adopted a global franchise model. The company has expanded to 150 locations across six countries. A key part of their growth story was Laura letting go to grow and bringing in capable leaders and advisors. Laura talked about the pandemic and how Snapology's company values help drive their business decisions and quickly adapt to an online environment benefiting kids and their families when they most need the support. Laura, thanks for being with me today on Succession Stories. I'm really excited to talk to you because your story is an interesting one. You created a business that is now global. So I'm thinking of you as the first generation. And I know I've talked to different entrepreneurs on this show who might be second or third. You and your sister together are Gen 1, and that's really cool. So I want to learn more about your story with your company, Snapology, and also talk about today and what's been happening with your business with the pandemic. So I think your story is about growth and innovation, and it's probably also about resilience. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So the first thing I'd love to hear about is if you could tell us about you and just give us an overview of the company. Yeah, sure. So I spent about 20 years in the healthcare industry as an actuary, which is basically a math geek, and needed something more flexible in my life. And I, I started owning a couple different businesses and that ultimately led me to Snapology. And what Snapology is, is we essentially provide educational play opportunities to children, mostly ages two to around 14. But we use a hands-on interactive approach teaching STEM concepts, and STEM is science, technology, engineering, art, and math. And that includes things like coding and robotics and all kinds of fun things. We do classes and camps and parties. But the fun part is we're using toys that kids are familiar with or objects that they're familiar with. We're using Lego bricks, connects, drones, iPads, basically whatever medium children are interested in these days. So the older they get, the more technical they get. So that's where the drones and the iPads and the computers and things come in, even virtual reality and, and, and things like that. And we just often say, you know, Shh, don't tell them it's educational because what we're trying to do is provide something that's so fun that the kids just come in and think they're having a great time, 
but we know underneath it, they're, they're benefiting both academically and socially so much from the programs we do at Snapology. It's a really clever way to get kids involved. And you were inspired by your son, is that right? That's right. Yeah. So my, my son, Sebastian, who's, who's now a senior in high school, when we started it, he was just about six years old. And, you know, he, he's a very neat kid, just very academic, you know, gifted in so many ways, but he wasn't really interested in playing sports. I mean, he, he dabbled with it here and there, but that really wasn't his thing. And, and when you're a, a little boy that doesn't play sports, the social opportunities are really lessened to a great extent. And so I was trying to, to kind of get him into different activities that would get him around kids his age and get him, you know, to, to sort of, you know, have more peer interaction. And it was really challenging. And, and that's what really kind of led to this. He was a crazy Lego kid. He's just kind of got that engineering mind. And it's really been neat to watch him grow up. And, and he's got sort of an entrepreneurial mind as well. And so Snapology, when we started Snapology, it was really for him. It was really to help him interact with other kids in his wheelhouse, you know, in, in an academic, but yet social and super fun environment. And he certainly benefited from it. And, and now we've been able to have, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of kids benefit from it. Yeah. And we'll talk about the growth in, in a minute. I want to stay on Sebastian for a second. I love how he was your inspiration because as a mom, you saw a market need, you discovered a market need through your son. How did you pursue that? You just woke up one day and say, I got to create a Lego company. I mean, how did this come to life? Yeah, it's interesting the way the way things sort of unfold in your life, you know, and, and I, I am a believer that everything happens for a reason. And, you know, even your good and bad experiences, you know, happen for a reason and kind of lead you down a path. And, you know, I had owned a couple businesses when the kids were were super little. And the businesses were great. They weren't really, I didn't really feel the passion for them, but I knew that my parents were entrepreneurs. I knew that I wanted to own my own business someday. So I kind of had that in the back of my mind. And then when my, you know, when I became a mom, you know, your whole life changes and, and my world just started to, to revolve around these, these two little boys. And so as I was really kind of searching for just activities, just Googling activities for for kids, you know, my, my son's ages, um, that's when I started to see people all across the country. I mean, I, my, my son was really into Lego. I mean, Lego's sort of, a, a, it's the number one toy in the world. Yeah. And so when I started to kind of Google activities that maybe he would be interested in, these Lego robotics programs came up, you know, like 4-H clubs and, you know, just different mom and pop shops doing different things with with Lego. And that's really when it hit me. So it was kind of like my worlds collided. So as a mom, I was kind of searching for things for my kids. But then as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm always kind of looking for what's what's a good business opportunity and it just all of a sudden one day I was like, that's it. We need to start a business where we're doing something with Legos or engineering type toys and, and those types of things where the kids can be can be social and and participate almost like a, they, they, there's actually a program called First Lego League and they often call it the sport for the mind. And so that's really what I was kind of looking for was a was a was a simple activity, a basic activity that, that a kid as young as three or four could get into that would be sort of their sport or their thing. And, and so I don't know that it was accidental, but it was certainly not like I set out on a mission to find, okay, what's my business going to be? But 
it was just kind of like, a, you know, the perfect storm, I guess, that, that kind of created it. And I went to my sister. She actually didn't have children at the time. And she's, uh, I'm more of the boots on the ground, operational kind of finance kind of person. She's more salesy and creative. And she's sometimes more of a strategic thinker than I am. And, and so she's my best friend as well. And so it was a perfect partner for me. And, and, and I went to her and asked her if she'd be interested. And she was like, yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Well, you know, I'm in. And that's how it began. And so sort of my operational, you know, skills along with her kind of strategic and and creative skills came together and really helped form the foundation of the company. And so the company launched, I guess, 10 years ago. Happy anniversary. Yeah, it was not the anniversary year we were hoping for. No, not not at all. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we'll We'll take a do-over. We'll do it again next year. (laughs) That's right. Uh, 11 is the the new 10, I guess, right? right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But you started from scratch as a mompreneur, if I can call you that. And now you're in 150 plus locations. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So we've got 150 locations. We're actually in 12 different countries. It's been super fun watching the company grow. And, and, you know, really, I mean, like we talked about, I mean, I started this for my own child. And so it's just amazing to me to see now that so many kids like Sebastian are benefiting from this. And, and I've got a younger son, Garen, I should, I should probably mention him. Hi, Garen. <laughs> and it's obvious, obviously benefited him as well. And similar type kid, very academic, very, you know, he's a little more social, a little bit more inclined for, you know, the athletics and that kind of thing. But the way Snapology has just benefited the both of them with, with teamwork and partnering and, and social skills. And it's just been incredible to, to watch it grow. And, you know, from nothing, from one location 10 years ago, we started franchising five years ago, and, and now we're at 150 locations in 12 countries. So it, it's just really kind of cool to watch it, to watch it bloom. That is so great. And I, it's so interesting because you hear about these startups and, you know, you think about the startup garage for these tech companies and the HP garage in the 70s that we all think about. For you, you probably had the equivalent at your kitchen table with the boys playing Legos and, and you had a built-in feedback mechanism with their friends and you knew, you knew inherently you're onto something. So let's fast forward. You mentioned that you started a franchise model about five years ago. How did you come to the conclusion that that was the growth path for you? Yeah, it wasn't actually an easy decision. And, and what happened was about two years into the business, and we were just running sort of a local Pittsburgh operation at that point, we started having people come to us and say, hey, this is awesome. You know, they come with, they would come visit our, our center or take one of our classes in Pittsburgh. Hey, I want to take this back to my hometown. You know, they had family in Pittsburgh and they were just visiting and they wanted to, to take it back. And that's when we started to realize, you know what? Yeah, we should do that. And so we actually started under a licensing model about seven to eight years ago. And we grew about a dozen locations under this licensing model. And the licensing model was good. I mean, I think there's definitely a a, a nice space for some businesses to be a license. But what we realized after a couple of years was that we were much better off as a franchise. I was sort of almost anti-franchise in the beginning. And that was really lack of knowledge on my part. Why were you anti? Well, my parents actually owned a business under a licensing model. And so I kind of grew up under that model and it worked really well for them. And I had actually owned two franchises in the past. 
and one, or actually at the time I was doing that, I think I still even owned one. One of the franchises was absolutely wonderful. I mean, it was great. It provided the support we needed. It's actually a franchise that I model a lot of what we do with Snapology after because they had a lot of really nice bells and whistles and tools and support and things like that. The other model um, really just didn't have their act together um, at the time. They, they may now, but they really just didn't sort of, uh, I, I didn't get the value. I felt lost. I was young. I mean, at that point, I was heck in my you know, late 20s, trying to run a business early 30s. And so I needed the help and, and they just weren't there. And so I had a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth with that. And then you hear of you know, franchises who are all about the franchise that, you know, charge you, you know, $3 for a, you know, small cup and you have to buy it through them and that kind of thing. And so I just had in the back of my head, sort of this, I don't want to be big brother. I don't want to, you know, I want my people to be successful. I want them to keep, you know, 90, you know, plus percent of the the profit. And, and I didn't think I could do that under a franchise model. I ended up changing legal counsel um, and thank goodness for the Internacola law firm. I mean, they completely turned us around. They provided so much support to us and really helped us understand, no, you can be a franchise and, and do the things that you want to do. You don't have to be big brother. You can, you can set this up in an effective way. And thank goodness we did because honestly, our franchise disclosure document was approved in, in mid-2015 and we doubled our growth in a year. And, and, and now, I mean, just five years later, we're, you know, at 150 locations. So it was, it was the best move we ever made. Um, so, but, you know, not to say that licensing is bad. I mean, I think there's probably a, a time and a place for that. But for us, the, the benefits of franchising and the, just the connections that I've made through the franchise industry has made my franchise better, the ideas that I get from other franchisors. It's amazing. Even franchisors in my same industry that are kind of technically competitors are so willing to, to, to help and to share ideas. And, and, and we all kind of help each other move forward. And it really makes the whole franchising industry better. So Laura, this is an incredible growth story. And I love that you've taken this idea from your kitchen table to 12 countries around the world. And I want to talk about today. You know, we were laughing a second ago about your 10th anniversary and how it's not that fun this year. And I want to talk about the impact of the pandemic on your on your business because it's a hands-on experience for for the kids to come in and and do the learning and the activities and use the curriculum that you have. How have your company values driven your business decisions during the pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, company values are, are so important. And, and it's something that I think some, you know, when you start out in business, sometimes you're so busy that you don't take a step back to really figure out who you are. But really, during this um, pandemic, we really had to draw on those core values, because we didn't really want to deviate from who we were. So we didn't want to, you know, change to a company that, you know, sold widgets. You know, we, we wanted to, to stay true. We wanted to continue to support our community in a meaningful way. We wanted to continue to, you know, to provide these, these types of opportunities that we've always provided to children. So, you know, we've always kind of focused on the fun, the academic enrichment and social development. And when the pandemic, you know, started, I mean, heck, we found ourselves in a situation where schools were shutting down. And I mean, heck, who would have really even ever thought that that could have even happened? I mean, it was nothing that we ever really uh, anticipated. So so we had to a- adapt 
um, pretty quickly because what we found, and if you remember back to what seems like a lifetime ago, March, I mean, the kids were basically ripped from their friends. They were ripped from school. Um, the littler ones didn't even really understand. I mean, it was literally one day they were with a you know billion other kids, and the next day they were home alone with you know mom and dad. Um, and so we we found the, the the community in a situation where parents needed our support. Um, the schools were, were having trouble adapting quickly because you know online learning is not as easy as it sounds. Um, and so these parents were all of a sudden at home with kids all day. Uh, with no learning opportunities and and the kids weren't being social. And so um, so so what we really had to do was figure out, you know, kind of which of our current programs we could adapt for an online environment to get kids social. Um, you know, the academic enrichment is kind of always baked into what we do, but what we really have focused on in the pandemic was more the social aspect and, and even the fun aspect to some extent. I mean, kids who had birthdays, their birthday parties were canceled and you know, everything. So we wanted to have virtual birthday parties. We had a lot of, in the beginning, we had a lot of play dates just to get kids on the screen with their friends, having fun. Um, and everything's facilitated by a Snapology uh, staff member. So it's kind of like a controlled online play date. Um, it was super fun for the kids. And they love, you know, when they get on the screen, you know, hi, Billy, hi, Jenny, you know, they just love kind of interacting and, and talking with each other. And in the end, it got them a lot more comfortable even just with an online environment. It got them to, to learn how to use the different, um, you know, Zooms and Google Meets and all of those kinds of things. Uh, and it got them to be social. So, but, but really from a company value perspective, it really helped us kind of zoom in and focus on our customers, you know, both the parents and the kids to make sure that we could continue to fill those, you know, academic and social gaps um, and provide a, a meaningful program during this time. And that happened really quickly, didn't it? It did. I mean, honestly, uh, it, we adapted our programs and probably, I mean, we adapted, I'll say a two week period, although then we had, you know, a long run out of fine tuning and, but we came out with over 60 programs fairly quickly. I mean, it was, I think March 15th or 18th or something that we rolled out about 60 programs. Um, we had a whole bunch of, you know, free um, Facebook activities that would keep the kids at least doing something every day uh, and give the parents a little bit of, of, of peace to, to get some stuff done. Um, it was a crazy time back then. And then, you know, we parlayed it right into we, we did two and three hour a day summer camps um, online and it, it went incredibly well. I mean, it really, um, you know, it, it's not 100 percent of what my owners were doing. Um you know, it'd be nice uh, if we could get back there. But heck, you know, we're back to 50 to 70 percent of what we were doing. And in a pandemic world, you know, I'll take that as a win. Definitely. It was a win along the spectrum. I mean, to pivot quickly, to create 60 new programs in less than a month and to roll that out. Did you roll that out to your franchisees in China and Vietnam and Jamaica and all around the world? We did. Yeah. So, so we, we rolled it out, um, basically, you know, globally. And we, I think, and it's funny because when you, when you roll it out to, to one country, sometimes you can't stop the spread. I mean, I think that we've actually had children enroll in our programs from probably about 30 to 35 different countries, uh, because of that. So, um, and every country is a little bit different, you know, some are kind of doing better, uh, with the online programs and other, just because of, you know, culture and, and how long that Snapology location sort of was in business before the pandemic and things like that. 
but yeah, I mean, internationally, we've seen a, a pretty nice response uh, to the programs as well. That's amazing. And when you say you, you're about 50 to 70% of where you were, does this mean that this is all online revenue or are you also open, the physical locations are open? Yeah. So, you know, depending on the, the, the state or the, or the country that you're in, uh, there's kind of a, a mix uh, sort of all summer. There, well, up to June, it was, it was all online. And then in June, some of the, the states started opening up. Uh, some of the countries opened up a little bit here and there. And so for the summer, for the last couple months, yeah, it's been a mix of some limited small group social distanced in-person programs uh, mixed with then the the online programs. So so owners, uh, depending on where they live, are kind of seeing a mix of, of both of those. Yeah. It makes me think about the reinvention of K through 12. I've read some interesting articles about that lately, and I'm sure you spend a lot of time thinking about education, educational models, and with this rapid changeover for educators to put things online when they had no experience with it previously. What are your thoughts about that for going forward? What do you think of the implications of COVID-19 on the learning environment as we move forward, hopefully out of this environment? Do you think it's going to stay in our culture? You know, I, I hope that aspects of it stay. Um, I, I think for us, for example, we've always been looking for a way to get to children that were hospital bound or home bound or in super rural areas. And so for us, while we do truly believe that the in-person hands-on, you know, experience is really the true way to, to learn STEM and STEAM, um, the online definitely has some, some great, you know, applications. And so we do plan to continue some online in those limited cases. And I think the same will be true for, um, for schools. I, I actually was talking to, to my director of operations the other day, and she said that they're kind of using online like the, the new snow day. I mean, why do you have to have a snow day anymore? Just put the kids online. And um, now they're all familiar, you know, well, at least they will be once we get back in school and kids get used to it. Um, having an online class will, will be, will be second nature to, to, to kids. And so if, if a child is, you know, there are also kids that, you know, have, have surgeries or get sick. Um, why can't you just pipe them right into the room and, and have them do online learning? So I think there's, you know, kind of like what I said before, I mean, you learn from bad experiences and, and you learn from good experiences. Sometimes you learn more from bad experiences, to be honest with you. And I'm hopeful that this is one of those bad experiences that some good comes out of. And, you know, I, I think there there definitely can be some long-term positive uh, impacts of, uh, of just learning to teach this way. I think that's a great perspective. As you talk to other small business owners, well, you're not a small business anymore. You're, <laughs> you're larger than that. But as you talk to other independent business owners, what do you hear? How would you advise them for how to plan for next year? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, gosh, I'm, I'm hoping we get back to kind of a normal cycle of, of things and that we're able to spend much more time in, in person with, you know, uh, with our clients. Um, but, you know, for us, and this was something that I really tried to emphasize with my franchisees, um, you know, things did slow down a little bit. And I'm hopeful that small business owners took this time to kind of take another look at their business to, to kind of, it's, it's really a chance to reboot your business, to, to solidify the foundation of the business, maybe make some needed changes. And that I think is going to help 
in the, in the next year. I mean, I know for us, we did take the time to, to really kind of take a fresh look at things and see how we could do things differently and, and come up with some new programs and, and, and some new ideas. And, and the, the hope is that it really kind of energizes entrepreneurs um, and provide sort of a new jumping off point uh, for the for the future. So, you know, the definition of an entrepreneur is they sort of make something out of nothing. And, you know, that's certainly what we've had to do, um, you know, in the, in the past, gosh, has it even been six months? It feels like forever. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm excited about the future. I think that, you know, for our business in particular, I look at there, there should be a boom in enrichment to fill the gaps that this pandemic caused academically and socially for kids. Um, and, you know, from a franchise perspective, I, I think parents are, are realizing, you know, that flexibility is super important. And, and we're seeing, we're seeing now in particular, I think people are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. I think now we're, we feel like maybe we're on the downslope of the pandemic and, and people can start to, to think about the future and, you know, owning your own business now. I mean, People need jobs that are flexible that, you know, that how can somebody be home with their, you know, third grader homeschooling them while they're working? Well, if you own your own business, if you own a franchise, uh, particularly a Snapology franchise, I mean, you can do that. You can flex your hours and do those things. So both from sort of my local business, which really truly is a small business, kind of the local Pittsburgh Snapology operation, I see a ton of opportunity there. And I think we've done a lot to strengthen the core of that business. But then also as a franchisor, I see a ton of opportunity for people who are kind of rethinking, you know, what am I doing with my life? Do, do I need a job with with more flexibility? Do I want something more fulfilling or more meaningful? Um, and so I, it, it brings a ton of opportunity. So it's like anything. I mean, you got to see the positives instead of looking at all the negatives and, oh, I lost X amount of revenue and all of these things. Think about, you know, what, where that can drive you forward and, and you know what, what can, what can improve? And, and, you know, I'm excited for the next year. I think you've got a great attitude. I think so many things that you mentioned are really important. Taking a fresh look, looking at making needed changes, you got to have the balance sheet, you know, in order. And then I also think that there's probably a readiness to, to do things differently. That's probably the most important because if a company is going to keep doing what it's doing and not adapt, it's not going to survive. And that's, emphasized now more than ever, but when was that not true? You know, yeah. change is constant. And your company is a great example of really being at the forefront of understanding what the customers needed from you. And you quickly turned that around. So kudos to you and your team. I wanted to ask you about your team. You've made an, a lot of investments to grow your business. And I think I, I read somewhere you were doing an interview and you talked about that challenge of an entrepreneur realizing you need to let go eventually. <laughs> you can't do it all. And you and your sister realized that, I'm sure, uh, early on when you're working so many hours in a day and you said, ah, we got to grow. How are we going to do that? How do you find the right people? What are some examples of how you've developed talent in your company? Yeah, you know, developing talent is, is really kind of critical. And, and, and the faster we grow, the, the more critical that becomes because uh, you can't do everything yourself. I mean, you you know, I, I'd love to have, you know, enough, enough time uh, to, to be able to, to, to do it. But then at some point you realize you're just not the right person either. Um, I've been really fortunate to, to, to hire most of my leadership team from within, uh, which is nice because they know the ins and outs of the business. So, for example, our curriculum director is, is unbelievable. She's just fantastic. 
um, and, and Ashley started as a, a teacher and then kind of grew into an educational services role where she was hiring and onboarding and training and then eventually grew into uh, the, the, the full curriculum uh, director role where she's, you know, in charge of all of the curriculum, all of the hiring, basically all things teaching. And her time sort of in each and every role that she had has really made her invaluable now because she understands the business inside and out. When a franchisee asks a question, she's done it. She's lived it. She knows it. Um, and she's just, you know, she's, she's just awesome. She's energetic. She's enthusiastic. She really sort of believes in the, in the mission. And, and I think that's where I've really been fortunate. I've hired people who care as much about this business as I do as the owner. So Ashley's just, you know, super enthusiastic and she really cares about this business as much as, as much as I do. And that's, I think the key, all of my leadership team, my director of operations, I mean, she, you know, her, her, her husband actually owns his own business. And so she gets business ownership. She truly cares about Snapology as much as I do. And just having that perspective, you know, even when we've hired, you know, from the outside, making those hires and making sure it's the right cultural fit, it's the right attitude. I mean, our, our, our uh, director of marketing is, is unbelievable as well. I mean, I really am, am blessed to have a great team. Um, and, you know, they know the ins and outs of what we're doing. They care about the business the, the way we do. And, and of course, you know, we want them to, to, to do professional development. We try to provide, you know, going to conferences and learning new things and, you know, whether it's online or in person and, and, and developing their, their careers. But really, I think just, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to let go. And, and, and sometimes it's hard for me and I give them probably too much direction on things when I should just let them go and see what they come up with. But, but sometimes you really just have to do that and say, you know what, they know, you know, they know more than me on this and they're going to come up with a way better idea than I could have ever come up with. And it's, it's kind of that balance of, you know, sort of as the entrepreneur sort of steering the company in the right direction, but making sure that you're listening to every member of the team as you go along so that they can steer it and in, in an even better direction than you could have done yourself. That's a great way to describe it. Certainly they have the passion like you do. And then they have the skill set that augments you. It builds upon what you need and they care about the outcomes as much as you do, which is fantastic. Do you think of your company as a family business? I know you co-founded it with your sister. Have you thought about it that way? Oh, yeah. Uh, Snapology is a thousand percent family. So we've got the entire co-family uh, wrapped up in this. Uh, you know, my, my sister and I did found the company. Uh, but when we started franchising five years ago, we, we very quickly brought in our brother. Um, and that's the whole co-sibling group. There's three of us. Um, and he actually is phenomenal with franchise sales. He, uh, he works with all of our broker uh, sales and consultant uh, relations. Um, and he's been with us for over three now, three years now and, and, and just adds a, t a ton of value. And, and then it, it's funny where the real family comes in is that between my brother, my sister, and I, we have five boys uh, ranging in ages from 10 to 22. And so my college-age nephews, uh, they work summers helping us in marketing and operations. My own sons have always kind of helped out where they can, but now they're high school age and, and can really sort of help with the local franchise. My younger son, um, who's a sophomore in high school, actually even writes some of our escape games because he's just got that sort of creative mindset. And he's, he's sort of in between that, thinks, still thinks a little bit like a kid and can make it super fun. 
but he's old enough to, to understand the, the academic value and, uh, and can provide some assistance to the curriculum uh, team to, to then take it and, and, and obviously run with it after he's written the, the basic story. Um, it, it's amazing. I mean, even a little one, my sister's got a little guy who's 10 uh, and he's a great help with the business. I mean, it's basic stuff for him, but uh, gosh, he might be our best salesman for, for, for local business. He's so enthusiastic about it. Um, it, it, I mean, for me, it's, it's a dream come true. My, my brother and my sister are my best friends. Um, I just absolutely love that we can do the business together and, and that we can involve all the, all the kids in it in a truly meaningful way. That is so incredible. You are literally G1 and it's, it's super cool to talk to you today and understand your story a little bit better. I had read about you and heard your story and it's been really fantastic talking to you. I know you mentioned that the people who become your franchisees, maybe some of them are in their next act. Maybe they had a career doing something else. And if there's listeners out there that are thinking, oh, maybe I want to be a franchise owner, how can they find out more about you, about Snapology, and learning more about the franchise opportunities? Yeah, there's a, there's a wealth of information out on Snapology.com. Um, we're pretty transparent um, about, about things. So, so there's quite a bit of information there. But maybe the best way is really just to reach out to Bob, who I just mentioned is my brother. He's at Bob at Snapology.com um, and he can walk uh, anybody right through, uh, you know, any any franchise opportunity um, that they might be interested in. It, it, it's really a in this in this day and age, it's, it's really a great business with a lot of a lot of flexibility. So I, I'd say check out the website and, and reach out to Bob. That's great. And also because you're global, I do have some listeners in other countries. So I think that because you offer that opportunity, you never know, there might be somebody in Australia ringing you up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so thank you so much. Is there anything that you can share with us about how you feel about entrepreneurship? I love to ask all my guests if they have a favorite quote or a mantra that guides them. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I've always, you know, I've been asked that question a, a couple times and I always use a, a quote that it, it's funny because I'm not even sure they know who, who said it. They say it might be George Eliot or it might be somebody else, but it, it's never too late to be what you might have been. Um, and, and I think for me, I mean, I've gone through several career changes uh, in my life and, you know, kind of searching for, for what fit and what, what my passion is. And so I think, you know, that it's never too late to be what you might have been is, is true. I mean, you can change in, in, in your, your, the course of your entire life, you know, at any point. And for me, certainly Snapology has, has done that and uh, definitely for the, for the positive and, and, you know, I'm hopeful that that can happen for other folks. I love that thought. It's never too late to be what you might've been. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you so much for sharing your experience with me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Innovation, transition, growth. Easy to say, but hard to do. If you're an entrepreneur facing these challenges, I get it. I work with businesses from small to big for strategic planning with your team to achieve your vision. Visit smalldotbig.com to schedule a call with me. I'd love to connect with you. Be sure to catch the next Succession Stories episode with more insights for next generation entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening.